It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Well, you see, Rich, it was just a short time ago, just a few days ago, that the president spoke for the joint session of Congress. That was President Joe Biden. Were you watching it? And did I you sure was. To it? Yes. And uh, I was listening carefully of what he said and what he did not say. And it sounded really like he was a man in a candy store passing out free candy. That's pretty tempting to people if they're not thinking whether it's good for them or not. Um, but that's what, what take on it did you get? Well, it was interesting that he not one time mentioned the sanctity of innocent unborn children's lives. Well, and and many other things. Yes. Now, it reminded me also of the life of my friend, who I've admired so many years, was that little little black girl in northern Missouri who grew up, and uh, somebody invited her to church, and, uh, and she sang for the Lord— and wrote so many songs that touched my heart. Listen to this one. You ask me how I know his blood can cleanse alone. You ask me why I know he sits upon See, whatever's in your heart comes out then of your mouth. Uh, if you're not trying to be tricky, um, that's what's really important, what's in a man's heart, and listen for that, and not just his Ponzi promises. It reminded me of Abraham Lincoln. Now, he was president. He was president a long time ago, and he had a struggle. He had to do things that were not popular. It wasn't a candy store day that he was doing it with the budget of the people. But here's what Lincoln said. I want you to hear his words. Here it is. In the throes of civil war, President Abraham Lincoln pleaded with his countrymen, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, 
to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. These words of Lincoln still resonate in our hearts. Today we celebrate our independence as a nation, but we are not independent of Almighty God. He is the author of life and freedom and has given us their truest expression in the gift of His Son. In Him alone can we find true and lasting freedom. As President Lincoln admonished the nation in his time, we must come once again as a nation in our time before the Lord who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And let us pray. You see, Rich, you have been talking over the time that we've been doing this program together about revival and have a spirit of prayer. Didn't that remind you of that? It does. Every major revival is started by a movement of prayer. Now listen, folks, here is the words of a man who lived at another time and what was on his heart, and it should be on the heart of everybody that's listening to this broadcast today. Reverend Martin Luther King said this. I have a dream. That my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. You know, I hope people can judge me by the content of my character and pay no attention to the color of my skin. And how about you? How, what do you think about that, Rich? Yeah, and to look what's in a person's heart. Because it's in the heart where the person lives. It's in their heart where you really find that person. That's the character of the person. Um, what did we hear during the joint session of Congress from, we all talked about the president Biden, but who followed up? Who followed up now? Who was that, Rich? Well, that was Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina. Yeah, hold it there now. Folks, now listen, I don't know if you listened to the speech, but I sure did. I wanted to hear what he had to say, not because he was a Republican. Put that out of your mind for a moment. I wanted to hear what he had to say in contrast to what the president had just said. Because I'll tell you, when I heard it, I was thrilled. I was so happy. And Senator Tim Scott really knows what he's talking about. I followed his career. Uh, he's a very kind person, a very humble person. And he speaks from his heart. Would you tell the folks a little more about him, Rich? Sure. I have a little bit of his uh, background information. Growing up in a poor, single-parent household in North Charleston, South Carolina, a young Tim Scott grew accustomed to moving every few years, as well as the long hours his mom worked to keep a roof over their heads. After failing four classes his freshman year of high school, Tim's path forward was murky at best. 
But thankfully, he had a mom who stuck with him and a mentor that showed him wisdom from the Bible. Through their belief and his own determination, Tim got his grades back on track, graduated from Charleston Southern University, and eventually built his own small business. Through the lessons taught by his mentor, Tim developed his mission statement to positively affect the lives of a billion people. That led him to public service where he was elected to the Charleston County Council, the South Carolina House of Representatives, the United States House of Representatives, and the United States Senate. And he is a member of Seacoast Church, a non-denominational Bible-believing church in Charleston, South Carolina. Since joining the Senate in 2013, Senator Scott has been a national leader on efforts to bring opportunity to every American family. (laughs) Did you hear that, folks? Every American family. Opportunity, not candy, not your wish list, but opportunity. I want our audience, even if you heard the speech when it was given, I want our audience to ponder carefully and deeply every word he said. Here it is. Good evening. I'm Senator Tim Scott from the great state of South Carolina. We just heard President Biden's first address to Congress. Our president seems like a good man. His speech was full of good words, but President Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite a nation, to lower the temperature, to govern for all Americans, no matter how we voted. This was the pitch. You just heard it again. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need policies and progress that brings us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further and further apart. I won't waste your time with finger pointing or partisan bickering. You can get that on TV anytime you want. I want to have an honest conversation about common sense and common ground about this feeling that our nation is sliding off its shared foundation and how we move forward together. Growing up, I never dreamed I would be standing here tonight. When I was a kid, my parents divorced. My mother, my brother, and I moved in with my grandparents, three of us sharing one bedroom. I was disillusioned and angry, and I nearly failed out of school, but I was blessed. First with a praying mama, And and let me say this to the single mothers out there who are working their tails off, working hard, trying to make the ends meet, wondering if it's worth it. You can bet it is. God bless your amazing effort on part of your kids. I was also blessed by a Chick-fil-A operator, John Moniz. And finally, with a string of opportunities that are only possible here in America. This past year, I've watched COVID attack every rung of the ladder that helped me up. So many families have lost parents and grandparents too early. So many small businesses have gone under. Becoming a Christian transformed my life, but for months, too many churches were shut down. Most of all, I'm saddened that millions of kids have lost a year of learning when they could not afford to lose a single day. Locking vulnerable kids out of the classroom is locking adults out of their future. Our public schools should have reopened months ago. Other countries did, 
private and religious schools did, science has shown for months that schools are safe. But too often, powerful grown-ups set science aside, and kids like me were left behind. The clearest case I've seen for school choice in our lifetimes, because we know that education is the closest thing to magic in America. Last year, under Republican leadership, we passed five bipartisan COVID packages. Congress supported our schools, our hospitals, saved our economy, and funded Operation Warp Speed, delivering vaccines in record time. All five bills got 90, 90 votes in the Senate. Common sense found common ground. In February, Republicans told President Biden we wanted to keep working together to finish this fight. But Democrats wanted to go it alone. They spent almost $2 trillion on a partisan bill that the White House bragged was the most liberal bill in American history. Only 1% went to vaccinations, no requirement to reopen schools promptly. COVID brought Congress together five times. This administration pushed us apart. Another issue should, that should unite us is infrastructure. Republicans support everything you think of when you think of infrastructure. Roads, bridges, ports, airports, waterways, high-speed broadband. We're in for all of that. But again, Democrats want a partisan wish list. They won't even build bridges to build bridges. Less than 6% of the president's plan goes to roads and bridges. It's a liberal wish list of big government waste, plus the biggest job-killing tax hikes in a generation. Experts say when all is said and done, it would lower wages of the average American worker and shrink our economy. Tonight, we also heard about a so-called family plan, even more taxing, even more spending, to put Washington even more in the middle of your life, from the cradle to college. The beauty of the American dream is that families get to define it for themselves. We should be expanding opportunities and options for all families, not throwing money at certain issues because Democrats think they know best. Infrastructure spending that shrinks our economy is not common sense. Weakening our southern borders and creating a crisis is not compassionate. The president is also abandoning principles he's held for decades. Now he says your tax dollars should fund abortions. He's laying groundwork to pack the Supreme Court. This is not common ground. Nowhere do we need common ground more desperately than in our discussions of race. I have experienced the pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around the store while I'm shopping. I remember every morning at the kitchen table, my grandfather would open the newspaper and read it, I thought. But later I realized he had never learned to read it. He just wanted to set the right example. I've also experienced a different kind of intolerance. I get called Uncle Tom and the N-word by progressives, by liberals. Just last week, a national newspaper suggested my family's poverty was actually privilege because a relative owned land 
generations before my time. Believe me, I know firsthand our healing is not finished. In 2015, after the shooting of Walter Scott, I wrote a bill to fund body cameras. Last year, after the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, I built an even bigger police reform proposal. But my Democratic colleagues blocked it. I extended an olive branch. I offered amendments, but Democrats used a filibuster to block the debate from even happening. My friends across the aisle seemed to want the issue more than they wanted a solution. But I'm still working. I'm hopeful that this will be different. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress, but powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids are being taught that the color of their skin defines them again. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all. By doubling down on the divisions, we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. I'm an African-American who has voted in the South my entire life. I take voting rights personally. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And so do the voters. Big majorities of Americans support early voting and big majorities support voter ID, including African-Americans and Hispanics. Common sense makes common ground. But today, this conversation has collapsed. The state of Georgia passed a law that expands early voting, preserves no-excuse mail-in voting, and despite what the president claimed, did not reduce election day hours. If you actually read this law, it's mainstream. It will be easier to vote early in Georgia than in Democrat-run New York. But the left doesn't want you to know that. They want people virtue signaling by yelling about a law they haven't even read. Fact checkers have called out the White House for misstatements. The president absurdly claims that this is worse than Jim Crow. What is going on here? I'll tell you, a Washington power grab. This misplaced outrage is supposed to justify Democrats' new sweeping bill that would take over elections for all 50 states. It would send public funds to political campaigns you disagree with and make the bipartisan Federal Elections Commission partisan. This is not about civil rights or our racial past. It's about rigging elections in the future. And no, the same filibuster that President Obama and President Biden praised when they were senators, the same filibuster that the Democrats used to kill my police reform bill last year has not suddenly become a racist relic just because the shoe is now on the other foot. Race is not a political weapon to settle every issue the way one side wants. It's far too important. 
This should be a joyful springtime for our nation. This administration inherited a tide that had already turned. The coronavirus is on the run. Thanks to Operation Warp Speed and the Trump administration, our country is flooded with safe and effective vaccines. Thanks to our bipartisan work last year, job openings are rebounding. So why do we feel so divided, anxious? A nation with so much cause for hope should not feel so heavy laden. A president who promised to bring us together should not be pushing agendas that tear us apart. The American family deserves better. And we know what better looks like. Just before COVID, we had the most inclusive economy in my lifetime, the lowest unemployment rate ever recorded for African-Americans, Hispanics, and Asians, and a 70-year low nearly for women. Wages were, hear me, wages were growing faster at the bottom than at the top. The bottom 25% saw their wages go up faster than the top 25%. That happened because Republicans focused on expanding opportunity for all Americans. In addition to that, we passed Opportunity Zones, criminal justice reform, and permanent funding for historically black colleges and universities for the first time ever. We fought the drug epidemic, rebuilt our military, and cut taxes for working families and single moms like the one that raised me. Our best future will not come from Washington schemes or socialist dreams. It will come from you, the American people, Black, Hispanic, white, and Asian, Republican and Democrat, brave police officers in Black neighborhoods. We are not adversaries. We are family. We are all in this together, and we get to live in the greatest country on earth, the country where my grandfather in his 94 years saw his family go from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. So I am more than hopeful. I am confident that our finest hour is yet to come. Original sin is never the end of the story, not in our souls and not for our nation. The real story is always redemption. I am standing here because my mom has prayed me through some really tough times. I believe our nation has succeeded the same way because generations of Americans in their own ways have asked for grace and God has supplied it. So I will close with a word from a worship song that really helped me through this past year of COVID. The music is new, but the words draw from scripture. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you. In your weeping and your rejoicing, he is for you. May his favor be upon our nation for a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children. Good night and God bless the United States of America. Oh man, rich, rich, rich. Wasn't that something? Hey, Folks, that was Senator Tim Scott who brought the address for the Republican Party following President Biden's joint session of Congress.
I tell you what, folks, I was moved. What he said touched my heart because his own life story backed it up. And the way he lives his life, it reminds me of something Paul Harvey said that I want everyone to hear now, and it's for each and every one of us as Americans. Here it is. Let us nonetheless, with the conscience of reasonable men, preserve and protect and defend this last great green and precious place on earth against all its enemies, foreign and domestic. So help us God, if only because so many people you never knew have broken their hearts to get it and to keep it for you. Oh, man. What did that do for you, Rich? So help us, God. You know, I love where Tim Scott said, we are not adversaries, we are family. Yeah. And families argue. (laughs) Families can fight. Families don't always get along. Families can work it out. But America, America is the house where we all live. And he really rang the bell. And uh, believe me, I've said many times, not because of the Republican, but I'd like to find out, and I'm going to, what were the decision points in his life when he decided, I'm going to be a Republican? Not because I like everybody in it, but because they stand for the principles that you can build on and not just wilt. Uh, Rich, do we have some listener comments? We sure do. This first one is from April in Kansas City. My name is April, and I live in Kansas City, Missouri, and I am a bot radio listener. I like bot radio because it is so inspiring. I try to listen to it every morning when I get ready for work. I listen to it while I'm at work. Keep teaching the word and preaching the word. God bless. Uh, that's right. I like April. that, April. I like yes. that, April. What else do we have? Uh, here's Mike, a truck driver. My name is Mike. I wanted to call and congratulate and thank Bot Radio for the wonderful job they do all across America and beyond. I started driving a truck in 2003, and through their broadcasts, I became a dedicated Christian. And I can tell you it was the best thing that ever happened in my life. And I just don't know anything more to do than to call and say thank you for the wonderful wonderful job that you do. Well, Mike, oh, Mike, thank you for sharing your testimony uh, with yeah. us. Give, a, give us a phone number, Rich. Oh, 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you, too. 1-800-345-2621. And, and here we are all out of time. Now, this is Dick Bott with my son, Rich, with this chapter of the complete story for you folks, all of us, really. Uh, I'll see you later. <laughs> 